we look at this chapter and attempt to uh, study from it and apply something to our lives. Lord, I pray that you would please uh, bless the time that we have, Lord, not only to study your word, you'd also bless the time we have for fellowship. In your precious name I pray, amen. Alright, well we're there in Isaiah chapter 15, and uh, Isaiah 15 only has nine verses, and uh, tonight we have cake and ice cream, so I'm going to make a deal with you, okay? Uh, we're going to be done early, alright? But here's here's the problem with being done early, okay? If I preach an hour, you, you stay for, not, you know, two hours, okay? If I preach for uh, 30 minutes, you pray for, two, you stay for two and a half hours, and you just kind of make up that time, alright? So, you, you need to leave early. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I want you to stay. We're having fellowship, and you can stick around as long as you'd like. I know that some of you don't like to go home, but uh, no, no, no. Uh, in this passage, in, I, in Isaiah uh, 15, we, we kind of got into a new section in the book of Isaiah, where Isaiah, and really we started it a couple of chapters ago, I don't know that I, I, I made a, a big deal about it, but in, 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 the, in starting two chapters ago for the next uh, few chapters or so, uh, Isaiah begins to talk about different cities, and he, he calls it the burden. If you look at verse 1, he says, the burden of Moab. And the next two chapters deal with what Isaiah refers to as the burden of Moab. Tonight we're going to deal with chapter 15, next week we'll deal with 16. The two previous chapters dealt with the burden of Babylon. And he's dealing with all these different nations, and, and I'll, I'll point that out to you as, as we go. And what he's basically, is the next few chapters are... The prophecy of God bringing judgment upon different Gentile nations. Here it's Moab. And I want you to understand a little bit of the history of Moab and where it came from. Uh, Go with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number 19. In Genesis chapter 19. uh, Like I said, we won't be very long tonight with the nine verses. But uh, let me give you a little bit of of an overview of Moab's history. Uh, For those of you that are taking notes, and and, and I would encourage you to take notes. During the evening services, if you come to all the services of the book of Isaiah, all the services of the book of Matthew, and you take notes, you're going to have a, a good resource there of that book uh, to be able to study from later or to, to uh, teach others or something like that. But in, in Genesis 19, we find the, the story of, the, of where Moab came from. And if you remember in Genesis 19, Lot is running away from Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember God uh, destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot is running from Sodom uh, to, to avoid the destruction. And the, we pick up the story in verse 30, Genesis 19 and verse 30. The Bible says, And Lot went up out of Zoar. Now I want you to make note of that, uh, of that city, Zoar. And dwelt in the mountain, and his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar, and he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old. Now notice what she says. And there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Now here's what happened. Lot leaves Sodom with his wife and his two daughters. And remember, his wife uh, disobeyed the word of the Lord and she looked back. She should not have looked back. And she looked back and became a pillar of salt. And basically, it's Lot and his two daughters running for their lives. 
they're, they're in this mountain of Zoar, and these girls believe that God has destroyed the entire nation. Now, God only destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, but they think God destroyed the entire world. They think they're the only humans alive, and that's what this uh, young lady is saying in verse 31. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come in unto us after the manner of all the earth. Now, notice in, in, in verse 32, you begin to realize why you want to guard your children from the influences of the world. Because these girls have been raised in a wicked place called Sodom. And notice as the way that they think. Verse 32. Come, let us make our father drink wine. So they're talking about alcohol. They said, let us make our father drink wine. And we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father... And he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Now kids, listen to me. That ought to tell you right there, that alcohol is not a good thing to mess with. I mean, what a wonderful drink. Something you could drink and have somebody defile you physically and you not even know what happened to you. Perceive it, understand. The Bible says they went and they lay with her father and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Isn't that a great, that's a lot of fun to drink something that will mess you up like that. Verse 34. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesterday with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also, and go thou in and lie with him, that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he perceived not when she lay down, nor when she arose. Thus were both of the daughters of Lot with child by their father. And the firstborn bare a son... And called his name Moab. You see that? The same as the father of the Moabites unto this day. And the younger she also bare a son. And called his name Ben-Ami. The same as the father of the children of Ammon unto this day. So we see here that in Isaiah God is dealing with this nation called Moab. But when you look at the foundations of the, the people of Moab. Moab was founded by a man born out of incest between Lot and his daughter. And it's not necessarily a, a, a good start. And this is a very sinful nation, a very wicked nation. The Bible talks a lot about Moab. And let me just kind of explain a few things to you. And I'm, I'm not going to have you turn to these passages. But um, let me give you some highlights of, of Moab throughout the Old Testament. If you remember in Numbers 22, for if you're taking notes, maybe you write this reference down. Numbers 22 through 25 uh, tells us the story of Balak. Remember Balak, king of Moab, who hired Balaam, the prophet, to curse the people of God? Remember, he, he could not curse. Remember where he was going and riding on uh, a donkey, and the angel of the Lord went to kill Balaam? Remember, uh, the donkey spoke? Okay, that story, all of that's on in Numbers 22, 25. Uh, Balak was the king of Moab, and, and they were uh, enemies with the children of Israel. And at times throughout history, uh, the Moabites were enemies with the children of Israel. You know, we have the, their Balak hiring Balaam to curse Israel. And because they weren't able to curse Israel, Balaam, the Bible says, he went and advertised the Moabites to the children of God and united. Did exactly what we talked about this morning, that you single people don't want to do. And, and, and uh, you know, yoke up with unbelievers, and they united them, and God brought wrath upon them for their fornication, and because they yoked up with these unbelievers. 
In Judges chapter 3, verses 12 to 30, if you want to write down that reference. Judges 3, 12 and 30. If you remember, uh, Eglon, king of Moab, oppressed Israel. Remember the story of Eglon? The Bible says he's a very big man. And uh, the, 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 uh, the judge came and stabbed him with uh, the, the dagger to the point where that he, his flesh actually sucked in the dagger and he died. Very interesting stories. You ought to read the Bible. It's a very interesting book. And uh, there we have another uh, story of the kings of Moab oppressing the children of Israel. Now Saul and David, and especially David, who was the most powerful uh, of, the, of the kings of Israel, you know, Solomon had the most glory, but, but David, as far as his army, was probably the most powerful. Saul and David uh, were able to subdue Moab, but if you, if you read the Old Testament, you'll, you'll find that they, after David's death, they rebelled against other kings and all those things. They were, they were uh, at war with the Moabites. But here's what's interesting. Go to 1 Samuel 22. And let me show you something kind of interesting in 1 Samuel 22. The, the Moabites go deep into the history of the children of Israel. Of course, Lot, who we just read about, who uh, had a child named Moab from uh, incest with his daughter, Lot was Abraham's nephew. So, so, so the Moabites were related to uh, the, the children of Israel. But if you remember Ruth in the Old Testament, and I don't have time to go through the whole story, but if you remember Ruth was a Moabitess who left her pagan gods and she followed Naomi after the death of her sons. And, and we have that story of Ruth and all, that, that beautiful uh, love story there in the Bible. And, and if you remember, Ruth was King David's pater- paternal grandmother. So King David was actually a porter, a Moabite. And it's interesting, in 1 Samuel 22, if you look at verse 3, the Bible says this, And David, remember when David was running from Saul? King, Dave, uh, King Saul was hunting David down. And uh, David, the Bible says, 1 Samuel 22-3, And David went hence to Mizpeh of Moab. And he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you, till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hole. So, here you have David, the, the, one of the greatest kings of Israel, who has a, was a quarter... Moabite himself, because his grandmother Ruth was a Moabitess, and when Saul was uh, hunting David down, David actually went to the king of Moab and asked him if, if he would take care of his father and his mother while he figured out, you know, how this whole thing was going to go. So the, the relationship between Israel and, and, and Moab was like a relative that you hate, but every once in a while you do them a favor, you know what I mean? It was just kind of that relationship that they had, but for the most part, they were enemies. Go back to Isaiah 15. Isaiah chapter 15. We'll get into more detail next week about the Moabites and, and how God dealt with them and specifically Isaiah. But chapter 15, it, it kind of serves as an introduction for chapter, for chapter 16. Chapter 15 serves as an introduction for chapter 16. Let me give you an outline of the chapter. Again, for those of you that are taking notes. Verses 1 through 4 of Isaiah 15, we read about Moab's fall. Verses 1 through 4, we read about Moab's fall. Notice what it says, Isaiah 15 and verse 1. The burden of Moab, because in the night, our of Moab is laid waste. And brought to silence. Because in the night, 
Kerr of Moab is laid waste and brought to silence. So here, Isaiah is predicting the fact that there's going to be a night invasion, a night attack, where two major cities in Moab fall in the night. And he says, in the night, uh, Ar of Moab is laid waste. And in the night, Kerr of Moab is laid waste. Verse 2, he has gone up to Bajith and to Dibon, the high places to weep. Moab shall howl over Nebo. And over Mediva, on all their heads shall be baldness, and every beard cut off. In their streets they shall gird themselves with sackcloth on the tops of their houses. And in the streets everyone shall howl, weeping abundantly. And Hespon shall cry, and Eliali, their voice shall be heard even unto Jahaz. Therefore the armed soldiers, notice this, the armed soldiers of Moab shall cry out. His life shall be grievous unto him. So you got the armed soldiers of Moab. They are crying because of the invasion. So in Isaiah 15 verses 1 through 4, we read about Moab's fall. Now in verses 5 through 7, we read of Moab's flee. Notice what it says, verse 5. My heart shall cry out for Moab. His fugitives shall flee unto Zoar. And heifer of three years old, for by the mounting up of Luhith with weeping shall they go it up. For in the way of Horonaim they shall raise up a cry of destruction. For the waters of Nimrim shall be desolate. For the hay is withered away, the grass faileth, there is no green thing. Therefore the abundance they have gotten, and that which they have laid up shall they carry away to the brook of the willow. So verses 1 through 4, we read about Moab's fall. And verses 5 through 7, we read of Moab's flee. In verses 8 and 9, uh, we read of Moab's faith. Notice verse 8. For the cry is gone round about the borders of Moab, the howling thereof unto Eglaim, and the howling thereof unto Beer Alim. And the waters of Daimon shall be full of blood, for I will bring more upon Daimon. Now notice this phrase. Lines upon him that escapeth of Moab and upon the remnant of the land. And here's what God is trying to explain through the prophet Isaiah. He's saying, I'm going to bring destruction. This is the burden of Moab. I'm going to judge this nation. And he says, some of them will flee. Some of them will run away. But God says, I'm going to bring more upon Daimon. Lions, in verse 9, lions upon him that escape of the Moab. He says, anyone that runs and flees from the destruction of Moab, he said, I'm going to send lions to make sure we get them, because when God's destruction comes, it comes completely. So we read verses 1 through 4. This is just an outline for you. Verses 1 through 4, we read about Moab's fall. Verses 5 through 7, we read about Moab's flee. And verses 8 and 9, we see Moab's fate, which is utter destruction. And like I said, chapter 15 kind of serves as an introduction for chapter 16. Chapter 15, we learn about what's going on with Moab. Chapter 16, we'll get into more details about it. But I want you to notice, if you wrote down that outline... I want to give you another outline. And this is an outline of Moab's mistakes. And here's what you need to understand. God was bringing judgment upon the children of Moab. God was bringing judgment upon this nation for their wickedness. And God from time to time will bring judgment upon nations. He'll bring judgment upon families. He'll bring uh, judgment upon uh, uh, individuals. And you need to understand, when God brings judgment upon you or your family... There is a proper way to respond to the judgment of God. But so often, the things that brought the judgment of God in our lives will be the same mistakes that we made through the judgment of God in our lives. 
And in this chapter, we see three things that the Moabites, three mistakes that the Moabites made during the time of their judgment. Which, if they would have recognized these, and if they would have uh, uh, fixed these problems, if the judgment might have been uh, alleviated. But because they continued on with their mistakes and with their sin and, and with the things they were doing. And let me give those to you quickly. Look at verse 2. The Bible says, He has gone up to Bajith and to Dibon, the high places. Now I want you to make note of that phrase. The high places to weep. Moab shall howl over Nebo and over Mediba. On all their heads shall be baldness and every beard cut off. Now, number one, and the first thing I want you to realize about the mistakes that Moab made were these, for those of you taking notes. When they were going through the judgment of God, they held on to their pride. Do you notice there where it says, He has gone up. Now remember, in verse 1 we're told that in a night the nations were destroyed, in a night they were overtaken, in a night destruction came, in a night the enemy came and took over. And in verse 2 we get their response to that. And their response to that is this, He has gone up to Bajif and to Dibon. So where did He go when destruction came? Where did He go when the enemy came? Where did He go when the judgment came? came? He went to the high places. Now the high places is a a reference of a place where they would worship idols. But really, God is queuing in for us because throughout the Bible, you will read words like this, haughtiness or loftiness. Or, or, and they all have to do with this idea. When we are high and when we are lifted up, it has to do with this idea of pride. And we're going to get into this next week, but go to chapter 16 and look at verse 6 real quickly. Isaiah chapter 16 and look at verse 6. We have heard of the pride of Moab. Do you see that? We have heard of the pride of Moab. He is very proud. Even of his haughtiness. The word haughtiness means disdainfully proud, snobbish, scornfully arrogant. He is very proud, even of his haughtiness, and his pride, and his wrath, but his lies shall not be so. And here's what you need to understand. Go back to Isaiah 15. An idol is anything that you put before God. Idols are statues that people worship, yes. But an idol, the Bible talks about having idols in our heart. And anything that you allow to come between you and God is an idol. And here, these people, God was bringing destruction because He was trying to get their attention. God was bringing destruction because He was trying to get them to uh, turn away from their sin and to turn away from their idol. But when destruction came, when the enemy came, when the judgment came, the Bible says He has gone up to the high place. He went back to those idols. He, he, here's what, he's, here's what Mo, the Moabites said. We're not doing anything wrong. We don't need the God of the Bible. We don't need the God of Israel. We don't need the God of Isaiah. Our gods are good enough. And they went back to their gods and they held on to their pride. And when judgment comes in your life, and when judgment comes in my life, and when God has to correct us, and when God has to deal with us, the worst thing you can do is to hold on to your pride. The best thing you can do any time before God is to humble yourself before a mighty God and realize, God, I have been doing this wrong. The things that I've been worshipping and the things that I've, I've been allowing to take your place, I'm seeing now that they are not what you would. The worst thing you can do is to hold on to your pride. But the Moabites, they said, hey, these idols brought the judgment of God, but let's go back to those high places and let's go back to those idols and let's not 
change anything and let's hold on to our pride. Number one, the mistake they made was they held on to their pride. The second mistake they made was that they held on to their past. Notice verse 5. My heart shall cry out for Moab. His fugitives shall flee unto... Make note of this word, Zoar. Does that make... Does that uh, remind you of anything? Remember in Genesis 19, the nation of Moab started in a mountain of Zoar. Remember Lot was running from Sodom and he went to Zoar. And his daughters got him drunk and they had incest and the nation of Moab came. And here... Many, many years, hundreds of years later, when God is destroying this nation, the Bible says, His fugitives, verse 5, His fugitives shall flee unto Zoar. When the judgment of God came, they held on to their past. Go, go to Hebrews chapter 11 in the, Old, in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter number 11. If you go from the back, from the book of Revelation, you go Revelation, the book of Jude, which is one chapter, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, 1st, 2nd Peter, James, and then you got the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter number 11. And so often the mistakes that you and I make in our lives is when the judgment of God comes, when God begins to correct us, when God begins to deal with us, when God wants to bring us and get us to a place where we become right with Him. We hold on to our pride and then we hold on to our past. And these people, instead of saying, hey, let's use this as an opportunity to start over. Your mercies are new every day. Great is thy faithfulness. Instead of saying, hey, we can start over here. God is dealing with our sin here. Let's repent. Let's get right with God. Let's do this again. Instead of saying, hey, let's have a new day. And let's have a new start. And let's get right with God. They said, hey, let's go back to our past where we started. Let's go back to Zoar where the drunkenness and the incest and, 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 and the sin. Let's go back to that. And that's what I see so many Christians do. God will begin to deal with you and God will begin to, 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 to take things away. And, and, and yes, in a way, the judgment of God might come upon your life to better you, to help you. And here's what Christians do. They say, let's go back to the past. And they quit on God and they go back to the alcohol and they go back to the cheating and they go back to the things that they used to do. Hey, don't go back to Zoar. That's the worst thing you could do when the judgment of God comes. Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 15. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 15. And truly, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 15. And truly, if they had been mindful, the word mindful there means thinking about, pondering about, meditating about. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, Zoar, they might have had opportunity to, to have returned. See, what you need to do as a Christian is just forget about the past. Philippians 3.13, you don't have to turn there, so it says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. The Apostle Paul, who was previously Saul, had quite a, fat, quite a past. And he said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth unto those things which are before. He said, I press toward the mark. And the worst thing you do, you, say, you know, some of these people come to you and say, Pastor, I feel like God is, is dealing with me, and I, I don't know what it is, but maybe He's dealing with me because sin in my life, or things that I'm doing, and I feel like just the, the judgment of God is coming upon my life, and the worst thing you could do is, number one, hold on to your pride, but the, worst, the, the second worst thing you could do is to hold on to your past. 
And today, I know what I'll do. I'll go back to the way things used to be. I'll go back to the way my life used to be. I'll go back to the way that I, I used to act, or I used to think, or the things I used to do. Hey, forget about Zohar. Because if you're mindful of the things, if you are mindful of that country from whence you came out, you might have opportunity to return. So their mistakes were this. They held on to their pride. They held on to their past. Number three, they held on to their possessions. They held on to their possessions. Look at verse 7. Therefore, the notice this phrase, abundance they have gotten. And that which they have laid up, shall they carry away to the brook of the willows. Now here's what James is saying. In verse 7 they're fleeing. In verse 7 they are running for their lives. Now listen to me. I don't know about you, but if, if, if I wake up in uh, the middle of the night and my house is on fire, I'm going to be trying to get my wife out of the house. I'm going to be trying to get my uh, two little daughters and my two sons out of the house. I'm not going to necessarily... See, I, I'm not going to be grabbing possessions. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm not grabbing... Oh man, this is a real nice computer. I need to take this with me. But this is what these people were doing. They were running for their life. I mean, an enemy army came into town in the middle of the night and began to kill them and began to burn their houses and began to take over them and began to destroy them. And what do they do? They run. But as they run, verse 7, their abundance they have got. They said, well, we got to take this with us. All these things. Their abundance they have got. And that which they have laid up shall they carry away. When the judgment of God came, these people made three mistakes. They held on to their pride, they held on to their past, and they held on to their possessions. And you know, when God judges you and I, sometimes it's good to just realize the things of this world maybe are not as important as I thought they were. And maybe it's time to get rid of some of these things, these possessions that have kept my heart and kept my attention away from God. And it's time to get right with God. But these people, they said, I don't care if God's judgment comes. We haven't done anything wrong. Let's go back to our gods. Pride. And let's go back to Zoar. Path. And let's take all our stuff with us. Possessions. Three worst things you could do when the judgment of God comes. The best thing you could do when the judgment of God comes is to humble yourself before a holy God. And say, God, what have I done to upset you? And how can I get right with you? What can I get rid of in my life? Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's possessions. Maybe you need to forget about your past. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you Lord for allowing us to be able to study your word together. And I know that this is a short chapter in the book of Isaiah. But I believe that in any chapter we can learn from your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us when, when judgment comes and it comes from time to time. From time to time you deal with us, and from time to time you correct us, and from time to time it may seem like the enemy is winning. Help us to get right with you. Help us to not hold on to our pride, to not hold on to our past, to not hold on to our possessions. Father, I pray that you would give us wisdom to be able to humble ourselves before God. Lord, I pray that you would help our church to be able to minister to 
this community. And Father, I, I just believe that the judgment of God may soon come to this nation. And help us to teach people and to help people to realize that when the judgment of God comes, the worst thing we could do, the worst thing we could do is to hold on to those things that God is trying to separate us from. In your precious name I pray.